Hello, listeners. Mallory Wilsey here, chief producer of the Enrollify Network. So everyone is talking about AI these days, but not enough people are taking the time to unpack how AI will impact the future of higher education. And that's why we launched the Generation AI podcast, co-hosted by Artis Kadu, CEO of Element 451, and JC Bonilla, Chief Data Officer at VaynerMedia. Artis and JC have worked on large language models for nearly two decades and have remarkable technical knowledge around how they work and how generative AI will impact the future of higher ed. Generation AI isn't just about understanding artificial intelligence. It's about being part of the AI revolution in education. Tune in, get informed, and be inspired to innovate in your educational space with the power of artificial intelligence. You can subscribe to the show by visiting podcast.enrollify.org or just search Generation AI wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm a higher ed CMO and I have a confession to make. When I first started working with someone who had the role of project manager, I chafed like crazy that she was in my opinion, butting her way into my projects and being a taskmaster and telling us what we needed to do and how we needed to do it. And I was very um, grumbly about it. And I apologize to my boss at that time, Danny Kemp, for that. Um, but now I cannot imagine life without my project manager. This is an area where there is so much opportunity for us to have a different approach to project management, one that uses more empathy, one that really takes our projects to the next level, that looks a little bit more like leadership than management. And I'm really excited about the conversation that you're about to hear with Eric Ruder. He is absolutely brilliant and just a lovely human, and I hope you enjoy this conversation. today with Eric Ruder, who is the Senior Project Manager for the American Marketing Association, my favorite, and founder and president of Human-Centered Success. Welcome to the show, Eric. Thanks. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Oh, I hope you've had a good day. It has been a lovely day. It's nice working from home with two little dogs on your lap. Oh, yes. We were just admiring his adorable pup. And I just love getting to see people's pets through the, the podcast. It's fantastic. 
So Eric, we're here to talk about project management, but before we jump into that, I, can you tell us a little bit about your career journey and how you got to where you are today? <laughs> I always laugh when people ask me that because, you know, I my career journey is like an ATV. Just It's not a straight line. It's just like all <laughs> over the place. Um, so I went to college for neuroscience. That was, wow. you know, my goal was to be a neuroscientist. And then when I got to my senior year of college, I realized I hated working in labs and I did (laughs) not want to do that. So at least I found out before I got out of college. Um, And I went to San Francisco from Connecticut because I had a friend who was like, why don't we just drive across country and live in California? And so I started working for nonprofits got into marketing that way. I had started out in administration and they kept giving me more and more marketing related tasks. And so I became a marketing associate and did that for some tech companies during the dot-com boom and then lost my job and decided to move back home to Pittsburgh. Uh, Went to art school, got a degree in graphic design while working as a public policy analyst during the day because, you know, those two things go so well together. Um, And then worked as a communication specialist for a grocery store chain and then for University of Pittsburgh and then had an opportunity to move into design and publication for an internationally renowned nonprofit called Manchester Bidwell. And that opportunity was just spectacular. I was there for almost 10 years, went from being their graphic designer to by the time I left was the director of marketing communications and public relations. So it was an amazing amazing place to work. I got to meet so many cool people. I mean, I don't know a lot of people who spend a week hanging with members of the Japanese royal family. So that was pretty cool. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So got to do stuff like that. Uh, Then continued in a job for a small liberal arts uh, regional college as their director of marketing. And it got to the point where I still really liked marketing, but had been in the industry for so long and just wanted something different and had already had my project management professional certification through Project Management Institute. Because being a marketing shop in a nonprofit, you need some structure to try to get through (laughs) all of the work. So (laughs) I had probably (laughs) a lot of it. Yeah. So uh, I already had my my certification. And so I had this opportunity at the Oncology Nursing Society to, uh, you know, take the leap of faith, become a full-time project manager and just an amazing experience and just got to work on so many different kinds of projects from software development to event management to uh, clinical research projects. So just the whole gamut. And, you know, then COVID hits, etc. And I wasn't really looking, but on LinkedIn, I saw a post for a project manager at American Marketing Association, and I was like, hey, 
<laughs> I used to be a marketer. <laughs> Perfect. I mean, what Perfect. a blend. And so I applied. Apparently, I was the last person whose resume they accepted um, wow. into the into the candidacies. And within two weeks, they had offered me a position. It was the fastest hiring wow. process that I had ever been through. And also, you know, major shout out to the people and culture team at American Marketing Association for having the most inclusive mm -hmm. hiring process I've ever encountered. I mean, wow. completely gold star, just so welcoming, so many different perspectives on the candidates, just amazing, pun intended. That is really cool. And, you know, our, our mutual friend, Eddie Francis, um, talks about the importance of that interview process and how it introduces candidates to a culture. And I love hearing that you had that experience at AMA. And it's only gotten better since I interviewed uh, two and wow. a half years ago. So, and I mean, it actually with a lot of you know, here's here's the project management tie-in, um, you know, with project management evolving in the way that it is to be less about project management and more about project leadership and more mm -hmm. about team cohesion and collaboration, I've taken a lot of lessons from how our people and culture team at American Marketing Association has run things and tried to incorporate them into my project management practice, my project leadership practice. So making sure that it's collaborative, making sure that you have a lot of different lenses on a problem. That idea of being open to learning from others to make yourself better at your job, even if what you're learning from isn't your specific line of work, I think is what kind of sets people apart like being willing to learn from anywhere really sets people apart. Well, and I really enjoy mashups. So I love taking ideas from, you know, one discipline and seeing how they can fit into another discipline. Uh, it's why I'm so fascinated with using human-centered design slash design thinking as a tool for project management and leadership. I mean, it was a product development process to begin with, and actually an architectural process to begin with. And it has since evolved and being able to use it not only to solve problems on project teams, but to create project teams that are more engaged, more equitable, more diverse is just incredibly cool. <laughs> That there's so many questions I have for you, and, and luckily we have time. <laughs> That's why you're here. Um, Excellent. Bring them. So, bring them on. <laughs> so many, so many, and just just in from what you already said, but you know, you've mentioned human centeredness and human centered project management, and I'd love to hear what that means to you. So human-centered project management, to me, it comes from human-centered design. And human-centered design is about making sure that your end user is literally at the center of the design process. And according to Stanford D School, there's a five-step process that you go through. Um, 
and it's empathizing with your end user. So making sure that you really understand their needs, you're defining their problem, making a succinct, very clear, very specific problem statement, challenge statement, you're ideating. So it's that massive generation of as many ideas as you can. Then you're, you're prototyping, you know, low fidelity to high fidelity, creating the solution, and then you're testing it, you're kicking the tires, you're putting it out in the wild. And while this was initially a process for architecture and product design, it has really grown into a, a solution for everything from service design to cultural design. So why not use it for project management as well? And it actually has two purposes in project management. So not only is it a solution-oriented problem-solving methodology, so you know, I'm sure you've been in meetings where you get a bunch of people in the room and all of a sudden it's just like the dark clouds descend and nobody's solving mm -hmm. problems. They're all just complaining about everything that's gone wrong. Yeah, um, <laughs> so many times. Yeah, exactly. But with human-centered design, you're, you're focusing every meeting, every get-together on creating a solution. So while you may still have those, you know, negative Nancy's and negative Ned's in the room, um, you know, bringing things down, it's a lot harder for them to get traction because it is focused on creating a solution. So not only are you solving problems because of the nature of the activities that you use in human-centered design, you are pulling in ideas from every single person in the room. The activities are very specifically designed to have a low barrier of entry. So you don't have to have a lot of technical know-how. You don't have to be fluent in the predominant language of the organization because you can draw pictures. So there's a lot of ways that these activities create safe spaces for people. Mm. And there's a lot of ways that these activities, because they are about the end user, you're taking a lot of the politics out of things. You're taking a lot of the just personal out of it because you're focused on the solutioning, ego. the ego. And yeah. you're giving people opportunities to contribute in a way that doesn't happen if a whole bunch of people at various levels of an organization are sitting around a table because, again, I'm sure you've been there. You get, you know, deans in a room with admin assistants, and even if the admin assistant has a great idea, the deans at the table, they may not speak up. But if you have a whiteboard with post-it notes and everyone's doing it at the same time, that admin assistant will be able to contribute and their idea may be better than the Dean's based <laughs> right. on whatever the subject matter is. Um, so you don't have that ego getting in the way either. So it does create a much more safe and inclusive environment. So that's one of the reasons why I love using it on project teams is that it really allows the team to come together. And when they feel safe, when they feel comfortable, they're going to contribute more. Productivity is going to go up. Happiness is going to go up. 
and it becomes a virtuous circle. Hey all, I hope you're enjoying this episode of Confessions of a Higher Ed CMO. I want to take a moment to thank my friends at MindPower who are making season two of this Enrollify podcast possible. MindPower is a full-service marketing and branding firm celebrating nearly 30 years of needle-moving, thought-provoking, research-fueled creative and strategy. MindPower is woman-founded and owned, WBENC certified, nationally recognized, and serves the social sector, higher education, healthcare, nonprofits, and more. The MindPower team is made up of strategists, storytellers, and experienced creators. From market research to brand campaigns to recruitment to fundraising, the agency exists to empower clients, amplify brands, and help institutions find a strategic way forward. You can learn more about their work in the world by heading on over to MindPower Inc. That's M-I-N-D-P-O-W-E-R-I-N-C.com. And be sure to tell the crew that Jamie sent you their way. That sounds like just an amazing way to tackle project management. And I've been a fan of design thinking, or I guess it is the new way of calling that human-centered design. I think there's subtle differences between the two, but like for the 95% of us, they're basically interchangeable terms. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like there's that Radford University had a um, MFA in design thinking that I was interested in probably around like 2012. And so I spent a little time learning about design thinking and I, I love that, but I've never thought about applying it to project management before. Like that just seems like kind of a duh, like you've kind of triggered a light bulb in my head, but <laughs> Paint me a picture of what then, if you're talking about, you know, managing a project through all the stages, how does that shift and change over the course of a project? So the the types of activities you use may change. Uh, you know, when you're at the initiation stage of a project where you're pulling user requirements together to see if the project that you're doing is the right project to do and making sure that you have all of your you know, your ducks in a row, as it were, you know, you're going to be doing a lot more, you know, things like empathy mapping and, uh, you know, pulling out those needs. So really, you're going to be very much in the empathize phase Mm -hmm. of design thinking, which maps really nicely to the uh, initiation phase of project management. And then as you're, you're planning your project, you're really making sure that, you know, you understand everything that you need to do to build the project. And that's true, whether you're using predictive project management, where it's just sort of that straight line, or if you're in a more agile environment where you're sort of building a bit, you plan, you build a bit, you test, you build a bit more, um, and you go through those cycles, you still are doing that planning, you're still defining, you're still figuring out what you need to do. Uh, And then when you get into the execution stage, you really are just problem solving, you're, you're ideating, how do I fix this? How do I solve this? Mm. Because as much as I would love to think that all of the project plans I've ever made have gone perfectly and never had to change. (laughs) I'd be lying through my teeth if I told you that. (laughs) I'm not sure that's ever happened. (laughs) I don't think it's ever happened to anybody ever. So, you know, you really are continually ideating and coming up with these new solutions and you're, 
you know, prototyping them, you're testing them as you move through that execution phase. And, you know, as you get to closing, you know, you're testing it, you're, you're making sure that it's right, you're making changes. Um, and whether you're doing that on a larger time frame for the entire project or you're doing that in each section, you know, it's, it's really useful. And the other thing about this is, you know, I've been talking about it as a problem solving methodology for, you know, whatever you're trying to solve, whatever you're trying to create for the project, but you can also focus those same activities back on your team. Mm. So one of the things that we did at American Marketing Association is, you know, when I got hired on, we, it was a two person project management office and we really wanted to like, you know, come out big and come out strong and, you know, show the world what we could do. And boy, did we not read the room right. (laughs) (laughs) And it was not the greatest experience for, you know, the people on our teams or for us. And while we had, done some listening and we did a couple of surveys and whatever we we hadn't taken the time to really understand what our teams needed Mm. and so what we did is we pulled together representatives from each of the teams we did a whole mea culpa like hey we realized we came on too strong we're gonna backtrack we've heard you and we did focused interviewing with team members to really understand what had worked, what had caused them pain, what challenges had occurred because of the things that we had tried to do. And we also did empathy mapping where we really tried to understand in terms of project culture at AMA, you know, what were they hearing? What were they seeing? What were they saying? What were their hopes? What were their pains? And we took all of that information and used it to actually run a design sprint on how to create a better project management office with the people who are going to be on the project teams. Oh, I love that. So we went from being, you know, AMA's public enemy number one (laughs) because... (laughs) you know, uh, to being a a trusted partner to the different departments in the organization. And it's because we spent the time and focused this back on our teams, this methodology back on our teams, instead of just doing a survey and saying like, oh, well, we gather the information. We know what you want. It's all good. Never the twain shall meet. Um, Right. So it's a it's a really powerful tool for project management in terms of getting things done and solving the right problems, but it's also a really powerful tool for project leadership and making sure that your teams feel supported, feel seen, feel heard, and have what they need to actually do the work at hand in a way that brings them joy and energy and doesn't drain them. Yeah. 
You you said some key words there that I want to dive a little bit deeper in, and that's project management and project leadership. And that's something, um, candidly, in in my office, we're wrestling with a little bit. Like, what what is that, and what is the difference, and when do we, you know, deploy or activate one or the other? But I'd love to hear because you obviously are like a guru at um, project <laughs> management, what you see as the difference between those two things. So what uh, the, the difference that I see, and this is a change that's occurring across the profession, which has been fascinating to watch over the past, I don't know, I've had my project management certification for 14 years, something like that. Um, and the profession has gone from a very technical profession of, you know, calculating earned value, calculating uh, the critical path through a project schedule, and these very particular and specific skills that were focused on making sure that people did tasks. Hmm. So to me, project management is really task management. Mm. Are you hitting your deadlines? Mm -hmm. Do you have the resources? Do we have the people with the correct skill set to get this done? Yep. Managing those resources, managing, making sure that, you know, deliverables are delivered on time, staying in budget, that kind of thing. Right. Project leadership is what enables task management by making sure that your team feels supported enough that they can do those tasks without feeling like they're getting burned out, without feeling like they're just a cog in the machine, with feeling like they are benefiting personally and professionally from working on the project. That's so amazing. One of the things that I try to do and to various levels succeed is to make sure that people understand that it's that they should have something that they are personally working on related to the project that they are working on so are they trying to be a better communicator are they trying to learn how to use a different software are they trying to learn more about a different department and how they function. And if you can tie that personal goal to the professional goal of the project, to the unique product service result that you're building, then your team's going to be more engaged. Productivity is going to go up. You're going to get a better product. Company's going to be happier. Hopefully that will lead to more resources <laughs> for your teams right. when you show that your team is rocking it. Um, so to me, that that leadership piece is what my entire profession is moving toward, particularly with mm. the advent of AI. Mm. You know, some of the the typical tasks of a project manager mm -hmm. are going to be automated. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. I 
would be lying if I said that I hadn't taken my ridiculously incoherent meeting notes, fed them through <laughs> chat GPT and had them spit out as a like, wow, that would have taken me two days to make heads or tails out of all of these random notes that I took. Yeah. And so it's going to become more and more important as these technical tasks are taken over by AI to really put the humans in the center of the projects, of the teams, and eventually that, of the success, right? That makes perfect sense. Um, I just did a Coursera course um, from Vanderbilt University on um, prompt engineering and, and um, chat GPT and all of that. And um, one of the things that the instructor was talking about was that there are, you can use chat GPT, you can use an AI tool to record a meeting, pop that into chat GPT and ask chat GPT, what did we miss? What didn't we talk about in this meeting that we should be thinking about for, let's say it's an event that you're planning. Oh, that's a good GPT one right? Mm. And then ChatGPT can say, <laughs> you didn't talk about parking in, the, in this conversation, or you didn't talk about the logistics of this. And then in that same lesson, he said, you know, you can ask ChatGPT, can you create a list of assignments based on what was said in this meeting? And it would yeah. say, well, Eric agreed that he would reach out to this office to talk about that or whatever. And it just, it was just blew my mind mm -hmm. to think, eventually and hopefully not too long that'll be built into the project management tools that we're using oh it's already on the way i mean we use asana at ama and they're continually rolling out new smart tools within the the software solution and by the way no means a recommendation or not recommendation for asana it just <laughs> happens to be the tool we use um right. But so many pieces of software are rolling those out. I mean, even look at graphic design and and yeah. marketing. You know, yeah. I was looking at Canva the other day. Yeah. And it's got these smart design tools yep. that are all <laughs> AI-based. And so... Uh, you know, one of the things that, that we had talked about in our, our pre-interview interview, interview uh, was <laughs> the connection between project management and marketing. And I think that what you're going to see is that with the rise of AI, a lot of those low-level tasks are going to be automated away, both in marketing and in project management. And so it is going to be more important for people to be able to connect with each other to create solutions that are enabled by AI. So you're going to have that in common across multiple industries, but you know, I, I definitely see it between project management and marketing and the the other reason why I think that project management and marketing, as a little sidebar, are really similar is at the end of the day, if you are doing both of them correctly, you are enrolling 
people in something that is going to make something better. Mm, yeah. So for marketing, you're enrolling people maybe literally in a school. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> or, you know, enrolling them in purchasing a product or purchasing a service. And in project management, if you're doing project leadership correctly, you are enrolling your stakeholders in the outcomes of the project and saying, this will benefit you in these ways. So you're actually using, like I use my marketing background all the time in project management for stakeholder management, because it's about looking at who you're serving through the project and I love that. connecting them to the benefit. I wonder if there's people listening right now who are marketers who've had an interest in project management who are going, you know what, that makes sense. This is this is a career path I want to pursue. And I'm also wondering what percentage of listeners actually have a project manager or, or project management process on their team. Um, I have been in higher ed for 20 years. This is my 20th year. And it's only in the last three years that I've had a dedicated project manager on the team. And now, right now, it's actually a director level um, in, at my current role. And she's in my suite and she's indispensable. And if anybody ever tries to recruit her away, <laughs> I will go to their house and steal their dog. That, <gasps> that will be the well, trade-off. I guess I'm I know. not trying to recruit her because you're not getting <laughs> right. my puppies. Right. Do not even try. That's my threat for everybody. Um, if you try to steal any of my staff, that's what I'm doing. And trust <laughs> me, I will. Um, but, you know, she's indispensable. Um, and I can't imagine living without somebody who's doing all of that, all of that work. And it's, I mean, for me, the the reason why I love doing it is because it's about the connections. Yeah. You know, as I said, I can get AI to take notes. I can get AI to do, you know, critical path scheduling. Like that's not exciting to me. What's exciting to me is empowering people to bring their best. Yeah. And I have yet to see an AI program <laughs> that, that can do right. that. So... Right. There's also, I mean, if you look at the statistics, you know, project management positions are exploding. I mean, there's exponential yeah. growth. And I remember when, uh, you know, I first even became aware of project management as a thing, you know, project management was basically construction and software, Yeah. you know, 15-ish years ago. And now I'm seeing you know, senior project managers for diversity, equity, inclusion initiatives, wow. you know, project managers for marketing, project managers for products. So you're seeing the fact that it is not just a one discipline career. Yeah. And Anybody who's ever worked a job ever, unless you are literally on a, you know, a production line, has managed a project. Yeah. 
so the skills are pretty much universally applicable. And if you, even if you do work on a production line, chances are when you go home, you've got some house projects, (laughs) you've got some things you're managing. So, uh, you know, to me, one of the reasons why I'm so passionate about the discipline is because it's everywhere. Yeah. So I can be passionate about it and be super happy when I see it everywhere, or I could be, you know, grumpy about it and just be miserable all the time because (laughs) everything's a project, right? Right. So choose joy, right? Choose joy and, you know, see the possibilities. And when you look at the way that the industry is changing or the the profession, I should say, is changing to be more human-centered to be more about leadership, to be more about empowering your teams. It's just just such an amazing shift in mentality from worrying only about the statistics to worrying about the people. And of course, the irony of this is when you worry more about the people, and support them, your statistics in the long run are going to be better. That is so true. That's so much wisdom right there. And I I was first exposed to the idea of project management as a discipline or as um, something that is a specialized profession. Um, When I was working, I was in digital marketing office, but my office was housed within IT. It was a a whole interesting (laughs) journey for why I've I've <laughs> been in some organizations where you're like why is my department like when I worked for that nonprofit um I was the marketing person and the PR person and yet the gift shop reported up through me oh yeah <laughs> I had the same thing at a tiny nonprofit I had like, a bookstore that reported to me like okay same skill set I guess Right, right. I mean, you have to market the bookstore, I guess, but yeah. yeah. But but I, I remember, like, at first, I just chafed, like, you know, she's trying to put a methodology around how we manage projects. And I'm like, I we, we're doing fine. We don't need this. We don't need somebody telling us how to do this. And just, I, I wasn't very nice all the time. <laughs> was just, you know, get, get out of my way um, in a nice way, but not really all the time. Um, but over the time that we worked together, I started to see, you know, there's actually a lot of value in having um, this, it, it, this discipline as part of your process. This, um, it was my first time using a formal project management system. You know, we, everywhere else I'd been, it was job jackets and you had a little <laughs> I piece of those. paper that you <laughs> filled things out. You had and, a traffic manager. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then we had this, person who was teaching us a whole new way and I think I'm introducing a project manager to my department for the first time for them and it's you know I think there was a little bit of that same sort of reaction probably at first of like well why do we need someone that's just going to make sure we make deadlines we can just make deadlines and it's like no she does so much more than that yeah and it's it's about project facilitation it's about connecting the right people at the right time. So it's not that 
people can't do projects without a project manager. That's, I mean, people do projects without project managers all the time. The goal of a good project manager is to make the lives of the people doing the work easier. Yeah. By making the right connections, by understanding what support the people on the team need to be able to do their job more effectively. And I think that if you, again, like with the advent of AI, I think you're going to see a move away from the task manager aspect of project management into more of this facilitation, nurturing, servant leader, authentic mm -hmm. leader role. Yeah. It's been it's been fun watching Kat. I'm reluctant to even say her name. You can't steal her. Um, <laughs> see, seeing Kat. I'm sending her a job action. offer right now. <laughs> her name is Jane Doe. Um, <laughs> but to see her in action and to see her um, really being that person that's also kind of a bridge to me in terms of like where she's surfacing challenges that need me to go find additional resources or might need me to bring some diplomacy to a situation where it's like we've, we've hit a log jam with a campus partner that's, um, you know, this is, this is somebody at a senior level that I really think that, that we might need you to step in and being that conduit, um, with our campus partners as well. And, um, I hope, I, I know that they all now, she's only been here six months. Um, I know they're all see the value of her and she's completely indispensable to the point that like, you know, she called in sick today, but then was still working and I had to be like, you have to stop. <laughs> yeah. she, I don't know if things will get done. Like, no, you have to stop. <laughs> you have to take a, a, a day and get better, however many days you need and get better. Well, but and we can't live without her now. Right. I, I actually had a, a really interesting conversation with a colleague of mine the other day who has recently sort of stepped into his own, uh, you know, was always a good project manager, but over the past couple of months through, you know, a number of different situations has started to talk about, you know, how do I delegate? How do mm -hmm. I create something where people can have the culture and the processes without me in mm. that particular role? And it's not because he's planning on going anywhere. It's because so many people are coming to him and being like, hey, you do this really right. well. Can you help me out with this? And yeah, so you know, in, you know, good project leaders will also be able to empower the people on their teams to become leaders themselves. And that doesn't mean mm -hmm. that the project manager, you know, is like, I'm done, like wipe my hands of it, like see ya. Right. Um, it just means that they can take a sick day. <laughs> it means right. that their teams are empowered enough that those minor things that are going to happen on the daily can be mm -hmm. handled. Mm -hmm. And then 
you know, as you pointed out, then the project manager can focus more on, hey, what are the big roadblocks? What are the things that are going to derail this project that from my vantage point, seeing all of these different departments and all of these different pieces, I can see, but maybe mm -hmm. my team members can't so that I can go and tell Jamie, hey, I see this thing coming. We're going to need more resources. We're going to need your diplomacy. We're going to need, you know, whatever it is. And then what that does is a, your project's running smoother. Your teammates are feeling better because they know mm -hmm. that they have the authority to handle the small stuff without having mm -hmm. to go through the project manager to go to Jamie, who goes back to the project manager, who goes back to right, them. Right. Um, so you're you're creating that culture where you have somebody who's watching the strategy who can tag in the project owner, the senior person if need be, but also is just sort of a gatekeeper and a guardian for the people on the teams because the people on the teams were hired for their expertise. Right. So if you're not going to trust them to do their job. Right. Right. Well, and I, I'm a big believer in the idea that if you empower people, they will feel much, much happier in their jobs. They'll feel much more respected and valued. And they will, in return, if you have to have a return for, for it in terms of, of, of a business, you know, the more productive, more creative, more mm -hmm. innovative, better ideas. Um, it's a win-win. There's no downside. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I remember I had this one job lasted a whopping like five months at it. Graphic design job, white collar professional. And the supervisor had his desk set up so that he could see the bathroom door. And whenever <gasps> anybody went into the bathroom, he would start his watch. <gasps> oh my god! And would be like, I'm "You were in the bathroom a whole five months." <laughs> I, it was, yeah. I mean, it was, <laughs> it was something. Oh my gosh! <laughs> yeah, yeah. And of course, That's... like I didn't do great work. No, you no. Know, of course, I wasn't willing to go the extra mile. I wasn't willing to go a mile. <laughs> <laughs> Let alone an extra one. Right. Um, yeah. So, uh, you know, there's so much, you know, anecdotal evidence. There's so much scientific evidence out there about how empowering team members actually is, you know, not only better for, you know, the um, the mental and emotional well-being of the team, but actually is better for the business. And yeah. yet it shocks me every day because, you know, you always hear horror stories. Yeah. Oh, constantly. And there's so many bad leaders out there. And one of the reasons why I am working with Project Management Institute and speaking at their conferences and going to their chapters and leading workshops is because... I want to make sure that nobody that I train or that interacts with me is ever 
starting their stopwatch when someone walks into the bathroom, right? I want to make sure that we are developing a, a project culture that empowers our team members, that uses human-centered methodologies, whether it's design thinking or just being human-centered in general, to create product services and results that are going to make people happier, make the world a better place, and not just be about the grinding out of, you know, more profit, more profit, more profit. Yeah. I, I could go on a whole side tangent about capitalism here, but I'm, <laughs> I'm going to choose We'll table stop. that one because <laughs> that would be what, like eight, nine more episodes with me. And, right. <laughs> we could just do, I could do a whole podcast on that. I'm going to, I'm putting a pin in it because once I get on my soapbox, I can't get off. Um, but I do want to pivot a little because you mentioned yeah. something earlier and you recently posted about, it, about this on LinkedIn and that mm-hmm. is creating empathy maps. Mm-hmm. And I would love to hear a little bit more about that. That is a new concept to me. Okay, so empathy maps are basically a visualization of a guided interview or guided survey. So what you're doing is you are pulling data on a specific topic from a specific group of people. So for example, when we did our empathy maps within American Marketing Association about the PMO, our question to them was basically, how might we make the project management process at AMA as friendly as possible and as user-friendly as possible? And then we had an empathy map for, you know, our production team, our communities team, our, and we interviewed the teams and said, so in terms of project management, what do you need to do? All right. So we, we took all of those notes. What are you hearing other people say about project management within the AMA or just project management in general? write down all of those and basically you go through this series of of interview questions which again with larger groups can also be just a a push survey um and you're you're basically using them to create a persona Mm. so with us we were doing it for people who were either going to be on our teams or going to be impacted by the work that we were doing. And it serves a lot of different purposes because you're you're surfacing, you know, challenges, you're sur- surfacing, you know, hopes that people want to get out of, you know, whatever the situation is. But you're also listening to people. You're also making them feel seen and heard, which unfortunately in a lot of organizations is not something that people encounter mm-hmm. and so when you take this tool again which was initially used for you know product development research and you turn it back 
on your team, you're basically saying, I really care. Mm. I really, you know, have empathy, <laughs> right? Like, I want to know what is going on related to this problem so that we can take steps to make your life easier, so that we can enhance the things you like and we can reduce the things that you don't. We can remove the roadblocks that we can. And you you end up with this beautiful visual representation of what's going on. Mm. And then you're not going to be able to implement everything. You know, there's always stuff that's going to come up that, you know, budgetary reasons are like, no, I can't get everybody on the team a pony. I'm sorry. Like, that's just not, I realize <laughs> weekly, so happy. weekly horseback rides would be wonderful for the team, but it's just not in the budget. And where would we put the ponies? Um, but if you're open about which pieces of it you can address and which you can't, and you start collaborating with your team on coming up with the solutions that are best fit for them and the organization and start meeting them where they are, it, you're going to see that your team is going to come together more. You're going to be more trusted as you are not only listening to them, but reflecting back to them what they've said and being honest about what you can change and what you can't. Not only are you empathizing with your team, you're showing them. So they're going to say, hey, Jamie really listened to me. It's obvious that she's struggling with this thing. Maybe I'll just go in and ask her if I can help. Maybe I can do an extra step, take something off her plate. So you're building that, that team that you're a part of and you're not separate from. That's beautiful. And you have me wondering if there's any tools or resources that could guide a leader through this process. Uh, there's a ton of information out there about empathy mapping. Okay. You know, honestly, just go to the Googles and type in how to <laughs> empathy map and okay. it will come up with, you know, a wealth of information. I personally like, there's an organization called Luma that has a, a great tool. It's like 15 bucks a month or something. And you get access to their entire design thinking library of tools. And you can actually create design thinking workshops using it um, by sort of mix and matching some of their activities that they have on there. Um, <clears throat> so that I find is, um, I haven't used it recently, but when I was first starting off and was more unsure in my practice, I used it a lot. Um, so it's a really good sort of startup tool for design thinking in general. And I know that empathy mapping is, is one of the tools that they have on there. But if you're looking for like a totally free solution, the internets Google. have tons. <laughs> <laughs> well, I bet I bet you could ask ChatGPT um, uh, for a template or something. You absolutely can, because yeah. I have played around with ChatGPT about um, you know creating agendas for design thinking 
based meetings and then it like comes up with a design thinking activity I've never heard of. And I'm like, tell me more, chat GPT. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> Such a friendly robot. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So, I, I mean, there's so many resources out there. Uh, Stanford D School, which I mentioned before, mm-hmm. has a ton of free resources. A lot of stuff, you know, tie it back to marketing. Uh, they've got a lot of stuff on there about unlocking creativity and Mm. using design thinking and focused interviewing to unlock people's blocks against being creative. You know, so many people think that creativity means that you're an artist or a musician. Mm -hmm. And that's absolutely not true. I know. Right. I mean, shout out to Jeremy, our CFO at AMA. I have never seen people be able to do the things he does in a spreadsheet. It is a thing of awe and beauty. Um, and if that is not creativity, I do not know what is. Yeah. Well, even problem solving is creativity, right? You're you're creating from nothing a solution to a problem. Yeah. Um, and I think. I think project managers, I would, I would wager that having strong problem solving skills is a, a key asset in a project manager. It is one of the top skills, uh, communication, emotional intelligence, problem solving. Those are rising to the top of the attributes that people are looking for in project managers, mm-hmm. whereas it used to be, you know, how fast can you calculate earned value? How fast can you calculate right. critical path? <laughs> Um, yeah. So you are seeing, you know, the, the shift and value placed on problem solving. And one of the things that I really love about project management is you're always going to have constraints, right? I mean, you're never going to have that limitless budget and a staff of thousands and, you know, you're never going to have that sky's the limit situation. I don't care who you are. There's always constraints, whether they're just like the laws of gravity or, you know, budgetary. And the real, my definition of creativity is how, how innovative can you be within the lines? Mm -hmm. Because you're not always going to be able to color outside the lines. Right. So the real test of creativity is how beautiful can you make the things in the lines that you have? Oh, that's awesome. I feel like that belongs on a t-shirt. That's like, <laughs> that's like the quote of the day. I love it. I love it so much. Because, I mean, think um, about it. Like, if you're a musician, you know, everybody's like, oh, they're so creative. They can do anything. Well, no, they can't. The minute they picked up that guitar... They set limitations for themselves. That guitar can yeah. only do so many things. The minute right. an artist picked up a paintbrush, they're right. limited by that medium. Yeah. But they're still geniuses. And right. so a project manager, a marketer, can still be creative geniuses. It's just in a different set of constraints and a different discipline. Yeah. I love that way of thinking. I think that. I'm actually going to use that um, in a conversation that I need to have um, with with a team about that's kind of chafing at some of the constraints. And it's like, 
we just have to be creative in a different way because we have these res- these constraints. And isn't that fun? I mean, isn't yeah. it fun yeah. to be able to say, okay, how can I really stretch myself to do something awesome when I don't have an unlimited budget, when I don't have an unlimited staff? And that, that's one thing, you know, here's my soapbox for a second. You know, one thing that always really chafes me about, you know, a lot of industry awards is that they're all like, oh, here's an industry award for a small project of, you know, $5 million. <laughs> right. And it's like, no, you should be giving an award for somebody who had like a matchstick, a piece of gum. <laughs> right. And, and, and desktop publisher <laughs> yes. who created a marketing yes. campaign or who, yeah. you know, built a bridge or whatever. And, you know, yeah, it's easy to do massive projects, massive campaigns when you have massive budgets and massive resources. But the the true creativity, the true problem solving comes when you have those very clearly defined constraints. Yeah. I I honestly there's two awards um in my my award, I don't know, library that I've that I've gotten that I'm really really proud of. One is um uh best innovative online project and one of the reasons I'm really proud of that is because I was at a little school that had a budget of like $3,500 or something for this project and we beat out um I'm not going to say which schools because I'm friends with the CMOs there but we beat out flagships <laughs> um that had you know we, and it was in case lets you see the entries um and so we came in first ahead of a, a couple of flagships and i was like damn straight we did but <laughs> we had to be really innovative and creative exactly. with how we tackled that prop that project um and and the other one was you know best something on a shoestring like we there should be more of did, those yes there should be more had, of those awards <laughs> yeah like we had like it was like um a project that had less than five thousand dollar budget and you know, what results were you able to get with that? And it's like, yeah, I mean, sure. If you're a, a flagship campus that has a budget of, a, you know, $20 million to do something, you're going to be able to, in theory, accomplish so much more. But if you can do the same thing with $5,000, and that's why you I You are a genius. <laughs> yes. And I remember getting a little agitated um, when I was interviewing for a p- position a number of years ago, and they were like, you know, you know, you haven't managed a budget this big, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I know how to stretch every single cent. (laughs) Every cent is maximized. Like you need to under, like hire the person who's at the tiny little school because they know how to eke out blood Mm -hmm. from a turnip. Absolutely. I don't, I I don't know if I'd want to hire somebody whose whole career was at a place where they had tons of money. Yeah. It's just now I'm on a soapbox. (laughs) Sorry. Sorry. I pulled you up onto my soapbox. (laughs) But I I mean, but back to the point, I mean, you know, one of the things that, that I really enjoy about project management and I enjoy helping other people see is that sometimes constraints are just opportunities for different kinds of creativity. I love that. 
you're just like cranking out the t-shirt copy today. Just I, give me a cut. At some point, That's I'm going to open like, <laughs> like a what a red bubble or whatever right. store with all the the great quotes from my <laughs> guests on the show. That's a good one. There's a good um, passive revenue stream for you. Right, exactly. <laughs> um, well, I've really, really enjoyed this conversation, Eric, and I super appreciate your time. Where can people find you if they're like, I need to know more about what he's talking about? LinkedIn. I live on there. <laughs> it's on my phone. Oh my it's on my computer. I think it's under my eyelids. Um, <laughs> so It's and the place to be now. It is. Um, and, uh, you know, as, as you said, you saw one of my posts on, on empathy mapping. I'm trying to build up a library of project leadership skills, articles on project leadership skills um, for people. And because I'm a geek, there's a heavy video game slant to all of these. So you will <laughs> immediately know it was me. <laughs> well, I love it because it's not dry. It's very engagingly written. You know, they're very... Like you, you have really good web, web writing skills. Like oh, it's broken you. up really well. It's, it's great. Er, er, I will, I will thank my dad for his red pen of death when I was um, <laughs> learning how to write in middle school and high school. And he used to edit my stuff and I would get near tears, but I thank him for it now. <laughs> <laughs> well, he did a great job. Um, and, and listeners, if you want to find me, I'm spending way more time on LinkedIn now than anywhere else. Jamie Hunt. Remember, it's J-A-I-M-E because I'm named after the bionic woman. Thanks. Right, right. Uh, and some days I kind of wish I were. Um, for for those who who may not have heard, I sprained my ankle while presenting at the American Marketing Association conference. Not and right my now fault. I'm wishing I. <laughs> I, mean, I don't know. That I didn't trip her. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it it right now. I kind of wish I had a bionic ankle. The cold weather is kind of aggravating it. Mm. But um, yes. Anyways, you can find me on LinkedIn. I'm still a little bit on Twitter, but not hanging out there very much. You mean have X? A, a, yeah, I can't. <laughs> I'm not doing that. I'm yeah. not doing that. I'm sorry. I boycott the word X. Um, and I'm also kind of playing around a little bit with TikTok. So I'm the higher ed CMO on TikTok if you want to find me there. Um, but in the meantime, I think that project managers are the perfect ones to do this. And that is busting silos. So let's go bust those silos. Absolutely. Confessions of a Higher Ed CMO is part of the Enrollify Podcast Network. If you like this podcast, chances are you'll like other Enrollify shows too. Our podcast network is growing by the month. And we've got a plethora of marketing, enrollment, and higher ed technology shows that are jam-packed with stories, ideas, and frameworks, all designed to empower you to be a better higher ed professional. Our shows help higher ed marketers and admissions professionals find their next big idea and feature a selection of the industry best as your host. Learn from Mallory Wilsey, Seth O'Dell, Jenny Lee Fowler, Eddie Francis, and so many other of your favorite leaders in higher ed. Enrollify is made possible by Element 451, the leading AI-powered all-in-one student engagement platform, helping institutions create meaningful, personalized, and engaging interactions with students. Learn more at element451.com.